And welcome. This is week number two in our series that we're calling, I Want to Believe, But. I Want to Believe, But. We kicked it off last week. Pastor Stephen did a fantastic job. We're looking at some of these uh, hurdles, oftentimes, that people have when it comes to putting their full trust, putting their faith in Jesus Christ, their belief in Jesus Christ. And so he talked about, did a great job on demand God. Why doesn't God do what I want him to do when I want to do it, when I demand that he should do it? And so if you missed that, uh, Pastor Stephen did a great job. You can check that out uh, on your Valley app in our archive. Uh, Next week we're going to talk about, uh, which is really uh, my favorite message in this series. We've been looking at it. We're going to talk about goosebump God. Goosebump God. When people say, you know, why can't I feel God? I just don't feel like God is with me. What does that mean? And, and, And we're going to try to clear up some of the confusion about that. Uh, but, but this week I want to talk about killjoy God. Killjoy God. A lot of people I know, uh, you, you know, they'd like to believe in Jesus Christ, but it's like, hey man, all those rules, all those regulations, I, I don't want to keep, have to keep all those rules uh, and, and keep up with all that stuff, the do's and the don'ts and, and, and all this. And, and uh, you know, the reality is it's kind of like when bad Christians happen to good people. Uh, you know, it, it's not really a true representation of what the gospel is. It's a misrepresentation uh, of what Christianity really is. Because Jesus didn't come to give you and I a bunch of rules and regulations. He came to give you and me a relationship. And religion is very different than that. Uh, religion is all the ought to's. I ought to do this. I ought to do that. I ought to do this. And it just steals the joy out of it. That's religion, though. That's not Christianity. That's not a, a, a faith, a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I ought to do this. I ought to do that. I ought to do this. I ought to do that. You, you know, a lot of Christians are suffering from hardening of the arteries. Hardening of the arteries is just that I oughta, I oughta, I oughta, all this obligation, all this stuff that we're supposed to do, that we think we're expected to do, it steals the joy out of life. And that's not what Jesus came to give you. That's not what he came to give me. Jesus said, I've come that I would give you life and that life more abundantly. So the whole idea of all these oughta do, oughta do, oughta do, oughta do stuff, that's religion and that's very, very different. The reality is a lot of uh, non-Christians would like to believe but, but think that God is a killjoy God. And, and if, if I'm going to really believe in God, believe in Jesus Christ, I've got to follow all those do's and stay away from all those don'ts. That's not the Christian faith at all. That's a real misrepresentation of it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I'm, I've been sick for the last two weeks. I got back from conference I had the flu, and I, I kicked the flu, uh, and, and then something else is going on. I went to the doctor just a couple of days ago, and I uh, have an ear infection, pink eye. Uh, thank goodness, though, I went to the doctor's office, saw a member of the Valley family, uh, Jennifer Taylor, and she just took care of me, took care of Susie. Susie's been sick as well, so if I sound a little, little more bass in a stained glass voice today, uh, that, that's what's going on there for me. Uh, but, you know, this time of year kind of reminds me we're coming up, uh, actually next week, uh, Susie and I, it, it'll be a significant day on November the 20th. It'll be 31 years since our first date. 31 years uh, since, since I asked her out, and, and she said yes. I can't, still can't believe it after 31 years. And uh, so 
One of the things, Susie tell you, uh, on this subject of, of kind of legalism, killjoy God, uh, Susie says, uh, tells a story that, that one of the things that actually made me attractive to her uh, was not my dashing good looks. It wasn't it at all. It, it was the freedom that I had in my faith, the freedom in following Jesus Christ. In fact, remember a story uh, happened to us. Uh, this is before we were dating, first year, my freshman year of college. We didn't get along well at all because, primarily because, and a couple other reasons, but primarily because uh, she, she was really a law keeper, legalist, and I was more on the freedom side. That was the way I was raised. And, and uh, uh, one Friday night, I'm playing ping pong in the student lounge in the student union there with a buddy of mine. Friday night, Pensacola, Florida, you know, it's like October or something like that, and we're having this vicious ping pong uh, game, and, and Susie comes in uh, where we're playing there with about 10, 15 other people, and, and uh, she grabs the ball. I mean, first of all, who, who does that? Who, who grabs a ball in the middle of a, in a you know, cutthroat game of ping pong? She grabs the ball, and, and she says, Brother Greg, and she's got her hand on her hip, and she called me brother, like, who, who wants that also by this beautiful blonde chick, you know? And she's like, Brother Greg, a bunch of us are going out to the mall tonight, Friday night, to witness and evangelize. Don't you think you should join us as well instead of staying here and playing ping pong? And uh, I said, actually, Sister Susie, uh, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Because I haven't felt God speak to me that that's where he wants me to be. Right now, I just have a tremendous amount of peace that this is right where God wants me to be right now. If he speaks to me, I'll be there. But he hasn't done that yet. So uh, could I have the ball back and we want to play ping pong? And she'd be like, oh, and she just stormed off. But, but I didn't know at the time. It was kind of wearing her down, you know, wearing her down there. And, and so we had a lot of situations like that, brother Greg, hand on the hip. And, uh, and, and finally she saw the light, and, and God showed her, you know, I was, I was the one for her um, through a series of circumstances. But um, Susie was raised differently. Now, that's not how her parents are now, but, but when she was growing up, they're very, very legalistic. My parents were not legalistic at all. They were all about following the, the direction of the Holy Spirit, and so it wasn't a legalistic uh, real home that I grew up in. Uh, but, but she'll tell you, you know, the Lord's used me in her life to kind of wear off some of that, uh, because if, if that's your foundation, it doesn't matter if parents change later on, but when that's the first 18 years or so of your life, it, it leaves a mark on you for sure. And, and so I want to share the bad news and, and the good news uh, when it comes to this whole idea of a killjoy God. I, I think Susie, 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, she, she'd tell you her impression of God was he's a killjoy God. Uh, so here, here's the bad news. This is the bad news about religion. Because again, this is, not, this is not what Jesus came. This is not the Christian faith. This is religion. The bad news about religion is this. Religion focuses on the outside rather than on the inside. Religion is all about what people think about you. Religion is all about keeping up the pretense, keeping up the show, trying to impress people with how holy you are. And, and, and again, uh, we say this all the time here at Valley Christian Church, and, and let me just repeat it in case you haven't heard it. Maybe you're new. Uh, maybe you're joining us online, or, or maybe you're joining us at our Poughkeepsie campus. Love you guys. It was so great to be with you at the Poughkeepsie campus last week. 
Here at Valley, we say this oftentimes, we have one rule, no perfect people allowed. No perfect people allowed. We've all got issues, we've all got stuff, and we're all dealing with our stuff. But the reality is religion says hide it, mask it, pretend like everything's okay. Religion focuses on the outside rather than on the inside. And Jesus just had no tolerance for this. He was completely intolerant to religious people that we're talking about right here, that focus on the outside rather than on the inside. Look at what he says, Matthew chapter 23. I think you're going to want to uh, go ahead and open up your, your Valley app and follow along because this is some crazy stuff that Jesus says here about religious people. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, the religious leaders of Judaism at the time. Woe to you, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. He goes on and he says, Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Jesus recognized that there was this gap between. That's why he came. There's this gap between us and God. Sin separates us. Religion says, do all these things and you'll get closer to God. That's religion. That is not the Christian faith at all. Religion is an attempt to close the gap through human effort. The Pharisees, they used to pray long, long prayers. Uh, they, they had showy robes, you know. Uh, they wanted to be revered and respected, and people hold them in awe. And it wasn't the long prayers, all this stuff that they did. It wasn't for God. It was to impress the crowd. It was to impress the crowd. And, and, and Jesus is like, you're blind. You're completely blind. All you're worried about is the outside. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background here, historical background uh, that Jesus is stepping into and he's speaking into here in Matthew chapter 23. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, the, the, the Pharisees would say, you can't work on the Sabbath, you can't eat the wrong foods, you can't hang out with sinners. Uh, religion is all about the do's and the don'ts, the rules and the regulations. In the Old Testament, after uh, the time of the writing of the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, religious leaders got angry because Israel had been brought, had taken away into bondage, and they said it was because they disobeyed God's law. And so religious leaders in Judaism, watch this now, they added 600 man-made laws to the law of Moses. This had nothing to do, this was not from God at all. 600 additional man-made laws on top of Leviticus, on top of the five first books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 600 additional laws. These are referred to as fence laws to protect the Torah, the, 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 first, uh, you know, the first part of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. There were, just on the Sabbath alone, there was an additional 65 laws written, do and don'ts, about keeping the Sabbath. In other words, they're called fence laws, so we don't want to even get close to breaking the Sabbath, so we're going to make all these additional laws that God has nothing to say about and has not weighed in on, and it doesn't come from Him, just so we don't even get close to the edge. Think about that for just a minute. In fact, this man-made, these man-made laws in the third century, fast forward just to give you an idea of how huge this was, in the third century, these laws were combined uh, and compiled into a book called the Misnah, which is 800 pages long. 
800 pages of additional laws that have nothing to do from God on top of the Bible. 800 pages when it was written out. They have nothing at all to do with Jesus Christ in the Bible. Don't come from God. Totally man-made. Totally religious. Not from Jesus Christ at all. And so this is what Jesus was really striking to the heart at, of in the Pharisees. Look at what he went on and he said, Matthew chapter 23, uh, I mean actually earlier in verses 3 and 4, he said, so you must be careful. He's talking to the crowd now about the Pharisees. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, the Pharisees. But do not do what they do. Do what they say, don't do what they do. They do not practice what they preach. And isn't that like the number one indictment that people have against Christians today? They don't practice what they preach. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm not perfect. That's what, no perfect people allowed. There are no hypocrites up in here. In religion, there's hypocrites. Not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know we all have stuff that we're leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit to change and transform in our lives. goes on and it says, they tie up, speaking of, listen, Pharisees, speaking of the Pharisees, what they do. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders. He's talking about these man-made laws that are not from God. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. One translation puts it this way uh, of this Matthew chapter 23. One English translation says, they, they go over to land and sea to make one convert and then turn him into twice the son of hell that they are. Now, that's Jesus for you. Jesus had zero tolerance for religious, hypocritical, holier-than-thou people. No tolerance whatsoever. No time. In fact, you read the rest of Matthew chapter 23, it is scathing what Jesus says to religious people. He says, you're a brood of vipers. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. See, God's laws, the ones that he gave, not the man-made ones, not the do's and the don'ts that, that we write, God's laws are not meant to confine us, but they're meant to free us to experience the incredible life that God has created for each and every one of us. Here's the good news. That's the bad news about religion. Here's the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, in relationship to the law as a, as a Christian, every one of us. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're just kind of kicking the tires and checking it out today. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Stop right there. Just stop right there. It is impossible for you, for me, for anyone, the Bible makes it clear, to be made right with God based on keeping God's laws. This is talking about God's laws. This isn't even talking about the, 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 the laws of man. It's talking about God's law. Watch, it says the law simply shows us how sinful we are. All of the Old Testament law, all of the old things in the, in the Old Testament that says do this, don't do this, the purpose of it all is to show you and to show me we need a Savior because we can't do this. None of us can keep these. That's why we needed Jesus. 
That's why you need Jesus. That's why I need Jesus. And not just one time to say a prayer. I need him every moment of my life. You need him every moment of your life. That's why. It goes on and it says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. He's shown us a way. How are we going to do this? How can we be made right with God without keeping the requirements of the law? As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Okay, it was promised. What is it? How can we be made right with God? Watch what it says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you're made right with God. That's the good news. That's how I'm made right with God. It's not by keeping the, the, the do's and the don't list. It's by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. No matter how bad you are or how good you might think you are. This is true for everyone. It's not about keeping the rules and the regulations. It's about placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So, so real quick, I want to break this down a little bit further, give you a couple of real practical points here, three real practical points in, in breaking down uh, Romans chapter 3, um, uh, verses 20 through 22. Here's the first one. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. You can't do it. It can't be done. It, it doesn't matter... It, who you think you are, you know, who's the greatest, the, the, the kindest person in the world. No one can earn God's acceptance. No one by obeying the law because it's impossible. It's completely impossible. Religion says you please God by your works. The scripture tells us it's impossible to please God by your works. None of us can earn it. You, you, you can't do enough good and you can't stay away from enough bad to earn God's acceptance. You know, uh, well, you know, religion says go to church, be a good person, get baptized a certain way, you know, read the Bible, and maybe God will accept you. That's not the teaching of Scripture. That's religion, again. Uh, in fact, you know, maybe you heard it this way, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with the girls who do. You, you know, that's, that's man's rules. That's man's regulation. None of that's going to make you acceptable to God. We cannot keep God's law. This is what it says. Look at it again. Romans chapter 3 verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Because none of us can follow it. None of us can keep all those things. They're all meant to show us that we need a Savior. That's the second thing. The purpose of the law is to show you your need for a Savior. The purpose of the law is to show me I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Look at what it says again, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Now, I know that's a word that in our culture today, we don't like talking about sin much, do we? I, I mean, you know, you're not going to win some popularity contest by going around calling people sinners. But the reality is every one of us is. Every one of us is a sin. Natural born sinners. I am, you are, every single one of us are. We don't like to be called, you know, bad people, but, you know, I, I heard one time a pastor did this, and uh, he kind of gave a three-question quiz to people in his church to kind of try to illustrate uh, <clears throat> that, that we're all sinners. In fact, you, you know what? We could do that. We could do that right now. We could do that today, right here today. 
Let's do it, all right? You ready? Let's do a little three-question three test here if you think you're not a sinner, okay? Uh, and I'm not asking you to compare yourself to the person next to you because God doesn't compare you to the person next to you. He compares you to Jesus in his perfection who never sinned, never did one thing wrong. So here's three-question tests. Are you ready? And, and let's, let's, let's be, let's be real, real about this. How many of you have ever, just one time, I'm not asking like 100 times, or how many of you just one time in your life have told a lie. I'm not, I didn't say what color, if it's white lie or what. How many of you just one time you've, showed, you've told a lie? Go ahead and raise your hand. Now, look around you at the people who don't have their hands up because they're lying right now. They're lying right now. See, see, in order to be a liar, all you got to do is tell one lie. That's all it takes to be a liar. Just one lie. Just one lie. How about this one? How many of you have ever stolen something? How many of you have ever stolen? I'm talking about a crayon in first grade. Raise your hand. Stolen one thing. See, because here's the thing. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. You, you, you know, when, when, when someone goes and, and, uh, and, and robs a bank uh, and, and they, they go before a judge, they can't say, well, it was only the first bank that I ever ran. Oh, it was only the first time? Oh, we're going to let you off. No, it only takes stealing one time that makes you a thief. Just once. And we rationalize our way through all this stuff. And like, well, I'm not as bad a thief as that one. No, you're a thief. A lot of y'all writing with Valley Christian Church pens that you just walk on. You're signing your tithe check with Valley Christian Church pens. We didn't give that to you. Just a thought. Lied one time. Stole one thing. How about this? Let's be honest now. How many of you ever had one lustful thought for 10 seconds in your life. Ain't proud of it, but it's true. Ain't proud, it's true. One lustful thought. Here's the thing. One lie, stolen one thing, one lustful thought. You know what that means? You are a lying, thieving adulterer from God's perspective. <laughs> a lying, thieving adulterer. Jesus said, if a man looks at a woman just to lust on her in his heart for just a moment, he's already committed adultery with her. That's the first step. Lying, thieving, adulterer. See, see, we're sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. We need a Savior. That's what the law is. The law comes, the Scripture, to point out how badly we need God. And He's done for us because He knows how messed up we are. And He wants to help he wants to help because we can't help ourselves. See, until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see yourself. You won't see your need for a Savior. Listen, you know what religious people love to do? They love to, just like the Pharisees, clean on the outside. Man, I got my stuff all together. And they like to point out everyone else's flaws because they know they're sinful on the inside, but they don't want anyone to know what's really happening, so I'll keep my mask of pretense up, and I'll point out what's wrong with everybody else. In fact, Romans is pretty interesting, uh, another spot, and it says where, where, the, where the law is, where the law comes, it causes sin to become increasingly sinful. In other words, religious settings that all is focused on the do's and the don'ts, you have the most wicked, depraved, immoral things going on in churches just like that, organizations just like that, religions just like that under the surface. 
the ones that look the cleanest on the outside are the dirtiest on the inside. Because none of us are perfect. And when we put up that pretense and we pretend like, hey, I've got it all together. I'm all that in a bag of chips. God's mighty man of faith and power for that hour. You know what? There's all kinds of nastiness going on underneath the surface. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. And here's the third thing. The good news about Jesus is this. Being right with God comes only by faith in Christ. Only by faith in Christ. Look at it again, Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says, you were made right with God by placing, we were made right with God, how? Not by keeping the rules and the regulations. We were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. See, you don't need religion. And, and I'm not here today, and, and, and this church does not stand to, to give you a list of do's and don'ts, and then you have no need of a Savior. Why are we? You don't need religion. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. I, I've, I've been a follower of Christ, a Christian, since I was a boy. I need Jesus just as much today as I did when I was a little boy. I need a Savior all the time. And so I put my faith, I put my trust, not in my ability to keep the rules, but in Jesus' perfect life, His sinless life, His sacrificial death on the cross for me, and His resurrection from the dead, showing proof positive that my personal sins were paid for. That's what I'm trusting in. Are you trusting in that? That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not religion. It's a relationship, a growing relationship. We're not talking about morality here. We're talking about Christianity, which is a relationship. Jesus didn't come to give you a list. He came to give you a life. Life more than you could ever imagine. Life lived the way that God created you. Life full of joy. Not perfection. Not that there's not bumps in the road. But life abundant. More than we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus said, that's what I came to give you. See, God's not a killjoy God. Religion wrongly misrepresents. Wrongly represents God as a killjoy God. That's not the God of Scripture. In fact, I, I love this in Galatians chapter 3. Or Galatians is kind of a, a cliff note version, if you will, of the book of Romans. Paul, by the inspiration, wrote both of them. And, and, and in Galatians, he speaks to uh, some, some well-meaning Christians there. They'd gotten off track. They, they started by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and see, we don't do works. This is, this is all in Romans, the book of Romans, and in the book of Galatians. We don't do good works to earn God's acceptance and approval. Jesus did that. We received Jesus. We do that because we realize how much God has done for us. It's not to earn something. It's to show our gratitude. That's why we obey. That's why we follow, to show our gratitude to God. See, so many of us, we misunderstand how sinful we are, and so as a result of that, we misunderstand how powerful God's grace is. We misunderstand how sinful we are, and we misunderstand how powerful God's grace is. 
Paul's talking about this to, to, to Christians in, in Galatia, the province of Galatia. So some people came in behind him, they called the Judaizers, that, that said, okay, that's great, put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you still gotta keep these rules and regulations. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and said, no, you write and you bring correction to those churches in Galatia. Listen to what he says here. I love this, actually, in the contemporary English version. Galatians chapter three, verse one and two, he goes, you stupid Galatians. <laughs> you stupid Galatians. How you like that in the Bible? So some, some dress that up. Some English translations say foolish Galatians. I think this is a little more accurate. You stupid Galatians. One translation, J.B. Phillips, I believe it is, says, dear idiots of Galatia, you get the feeling Paul's ticked. Just like Jesus got ticked with religious people. Paul is ticked here. He goes, you stupid Galatians. I told you exactly how Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. Has someone now put an evil spell on you? In other words, has someone twisted around the, sim- the simplicity of the gospel and put a spell on you? Some kind of vex on you? He goes on and he says, I want you to know only one thing. He goes, this is the most important thing. How were you, I want to know only one thing. What is it? How were you given God's spirit? When you came alive to God's spirit, when the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you, at that point of salvation, how did it happen? Was it by obeying the law of Moses? No. Or by hearing about Christ and having faith in him. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. That's what Jesus came to bring you and me. A relationship, a trusting, growing relationship with him. Not with the law. The law shows we need a savior. He's Jesus. That's why he came. Think about it for just a minute. The criminal on the cross when Jesus, most of you know this story, many of you do. When when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, it wasn't just him, there were two people, one on each side that were thieves. And and, and one of them who who was literally nailed to a cross just like he was, crucifixion was a very common form of execution in the Roman Empire, very common. Thousands and thousands of people were crucified, hundreds of thousands. And and, uh, two with Jesus, one on the side turns to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, this day you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have any chance whatsoever to do any good works to earn God's approval. Jesus said, you're going to be with me. Just because he made that statement, he said, Lord. He recognized who Jesus was. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. There's no room for good works. There's no room for keeping the law there. It's totally by faith, hearing about Christ and having faith in him. Religion focuses on what I do. Christianity focuses on what Jesus did. Religion is all about me keeping a set of rules. Christianity is all about Jesus who kept every one of the rules perfectly without sin for me and for you. Religion is all about what I have to do. Christianity is all what's been done for me through Jesus Christ, what's been done for you. Religion is all, if I obey, then maybe God will accept me. 
Christianity is because he loves me, I get to obey. See, we don't obey. We're supposed to obey. But it's not because I ought to. It's I get to obey. I get to obey the instructions of Jesus. I get to obey the teachings of Jesus, what, what the Scripture tells me, what, what the Bible tells me. I get to do that because it's a demonstration of how much I love him who gave everything for me, who gave his life for me, who gave his life for you. It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do in thanksgiving to him as worship to him. See, most people, the reality is, they aren't rejecting Christ, they're rejecting how Christ has wrongly been represented, as I said earlier. Rules, 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 that's religion. Religion is complicated what God has really made simple. The good news is this, you and I are sinners. You and I are sinners. Christ died for us, and because Christ died for us, God forgave us. Receive what Christ has done for us. That's the good news. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. It's not about you being perfect. Jesus has already been perfect for you. It's receiving what he's already given. I I love what the psalmist David wrote. And I think he kind of understood this, even in the Old Testament. In Psalm 16, verse 6, he goes, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. He says the rules, the lines of what's in bounds for my life that God created for me and what's out of bounds, those bring joy to my life. They're pleasant places. The boundary lines that God has set. You know in the Old Testament, you read in creation, God's not all into rules. Before sin, there was one rule, just one that he gave Adam and Eve. God's not into rules. Rules are meant, the law in Scripture is meant to show us our sinfulness and to keep us safe. To keep us safe. You know, so, so that's, why, that's why I'm faithful to my wife. That's why I don't cheat on my wife. It, it's, it's not because I'm afraid of her or, or, or afraid of God. It's because I know based on God's word, that's what works best. That's what works best. A man and a wife, man and a woman, husband and wife, being faithful to each other till death do them part. That's what works best. I can say with David, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Not any of us have done it right in every area of our life. We've all messed up, but you know what? It's just something safe and secure when we just come inside those boundary lines. Not in order to, to, to earn God's approval, but to stay, could I put it in this, the sweet spot of the life that God created you for and created me for. That's what the boundary lines are for. And as we stay in that sweet spot, and this is what the Bible calls obedience, it's, it's not to in order for God to forgive us, is because he has forgiven us. It's just amazing. Doesn't mean life's perfect, there's no storms or difficulties or challenges, but it's just amazing. We stay in that sweet spot, following the instructions of Jesus and, and what the scripture says. It's just amazing how we experience life. Joy, real joy. God is not a killjoy God. Not at all. That's a misrepresentation of who he is. And so let me end with this thought. 
religion complicates with laws. Jesus simplifies with love. Religion complicates with laws. Jesus simplifies with love. You know, those same religious leaders, the Pharisees and teachers of law and the Sadducees, they came to Jesus one time and they said, they're trying to trap him. Their, their motives weren't pure. They were nasty folks. Not, not, not like church folks, no, not at all. They're talking different people, right? And they asked him one time, tell us what is the greatest commandment. And they thought by saying that, as soon as he highlighted one, it would kind of water down or devalue the others. And so they're like, we're going to trick him here. They said, tell us what's the greatest commandment. And you know what Jesus said? The first one is, love the Lord your God. And the second one is, love your neighbor as yourself. And on these, every one of the other laws hangs. And he shut their mouths. They had no rebuttal. Because it was completely accurate and true what he said. Religion complicates with laws. Jesus simplifies with love. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with everything that you are, every, every, everything that you are, and everything that you have. Love God. And you love your neighbor as yourself. That's the life that, God came, that Jesus came to give you and me. That's, that, that's how we, we show our gratitude to him. That's how we stay in that sweet spot of the life that God created for you and for me. Loving God with everything we are and everything that we have and loving our neighbor as ourself. That's where real joy comes from. That's what you were made for. That's what God created you for. That's what God created me for. Love God and love your neighbor. I'm going to ask right now, I'm going to pray. And before I do, I just want to let you know where I'm headed. I'm going to pray right now. And, and, and I want to pray and just kind of close this message. But then I want to give you an opportunity. If you're watching this now online or Poughkeepsie Campus and, and you've never taken that step of faith of putting your trust in Jesus Christ, maybe it's because of what we've been talking about today, that you thought God was a killjoy God and he's not. He's so far from that. I'm going to pray, and then I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and shout Jesus or, you know, something crazy like that. I just want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm just going to invite you to open your heart up to Jesus right now. And you can repeat this prayer after me. And take that first step of faith of trusting him. Because he created you for so much more. To live in that sweet spot that sweet spot of loving God with everything that you are and everything that you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's where joy is really found. God is not a kill joy. He came to give you joy. Jesus came to give you life. And that life is abundant life. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now as we've just looked at your word that Lord, it cleared up some confusion. Uh, Lord, there's some things that seem really gray just got black and white for us by your Holy Spirit as we've looked at your word. Father, 
for, for those of us that, that the Lord, we, we kind of like the Galatians. We started out by putting our faith in Jesus, and now we think by doing a whole lot of good stuff is, is how, you know, uh, we're going to be accepted by you, and nothing can be further from the truth. Lord, Lord, help us to recognize how sinful we really are and how much we need a Savior, not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow as well, every day of our lives. Thank you, Father, for the, for the truth. Because when we know the truth, it sets us free. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I do want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can just say as a whisper. Because the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, just like that thief did on the cross, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, just open your heart to Jesus if you've never done that before. And pray this prayer. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them now. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for, for rising from the dead for me. And now I ask you to lead me Guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.